0: It's here, it's here the great mysteries of all Halloween I mean is here. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there everybody, welcome to Hear Me Holler not just hear me holler it's the mysteries of all halloween special all october we will be working on this beautiful special that we're doing i'm your host sally and today we will begin this with the mysteries of jack the river i nearly didn't say his name correctly So as I said, we will be talking about Jack the Ripper. Um, basically, I'm gonna explain a little bit about what my Halloween little special that I'm doing is. So basically, I my favorite holiday or my favorite month in the year is October and Halloween. Um, so I decided to do a little thing because I have this. I obviously have the blog. That is centered around (laughs) this creepy kind of stuff. And I have my podcast, which is also focused on this. So I thought, hey, why not do a Halloween special where we post a lot of these. So, I'm going to quickly tell you the dates of basically when things are going to be posted. Um... So there's going to be one every Monday and Wednesday. However, the week of Halloween, there's going to be one Sunday, Wednesday, and then Saturday because Saturday is the 31st. Um, So there's going to be that. But we're going to get right on into this one because I have a lot to do, and if you hear clicking, that is me clicking to scroll down on my computer to be able to show you, the or be able to read this blog post. Okay, to start off the Halloween special of the mysteries of all Halloween, we will discuss Jack the River, perhaps the most infamous serial killer of all time. Hundreds of suspects have been named in this case and it it has baffled investigators and reperologists alike for a hundred years. So just imagine the year is 1888 and the setting is a shadowy and bog filled streets of East end of London. More specifically, it's the Whitechapel district. An area that is filled with violence and crime with the backdrop of poverty. But suddenly, there is a string of murders terrorizing the public in a way that has never been seen before. The culprit is a madman with no clear motive. It's the world's most notorious serial killer, Jack the Ripper. While most believe the... uh, while well, most believe that Jack the Ripper claimed the lives of only five who are now referred to as the Colonial Five, others believe that Jack the Ripper claimed the, lives up, claimed the lives of up to 11 women. All five of the Colonial victims were prostitutes, as many women in the White Chapel District had turned to prostitution as a way of survival. The morbid intriguingness of this case was not is not a recent development. At the time of the murders, literacy was increasing amongst the general population. The murders were covered in the newspaper, and the public became morbidly fascinated by them. In the end, the public was so upset at the failed attempts to identify the killer that the police commissioner and home secretary eventually resigned. Today, the five colonial victims are going to be discussed, and by the end, we will have examined most of the suspects that will ever be presented with the eight possible killers. On August 31st, 1888, at 3.40 a.m., the body of Marilyn... Marilyn? <laughs> the body of Mary and Nichols, was found in Buck's Row in White Castle. Chapel. I am having a difficulty speaking today. The body was discovered by a na- by a man named Charles Cross, who claims he was walking along Buck's Row when he noticed a bundle towards the western end. Another name... Another man named Robert Paul approached the body with Cross. Police would eventually r- arrive on the scene. Marianne Nichols was found on her back. Her throat severely slashed and she was disemboweled. It was determined she only had been dead for about a half an hour, meaning the killer was likely nearby when Cross's body was found. On September 8. 1888 the body of Annie Chapman was found at 29 Hunbury Street I believe that's how you say it her body was discovered by a man named John Davis an elderly resident of the 29 Hunbury Street building her throat was cut and And this time, the violence escalated in that the murderer took her womb. Dr. George Baxter Phillips was serving as a divisional police surgeon at the time and proposed the idea that the killer had atomical knowledge by the manner in which Annie Chapman's womb was removed. That is the first clue. The killer is a doctor. Later that month, on September 27th, 1888, the Central News Agency receives a letter from the apparent killer. It reads... (laughs) This is very long, so excuse me if I mess up a lot. Dear boss, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talked about being on the right track. I joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I am down on whores and shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and I want to start again. You soon will hear of me and my funny little games. I save some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough I hope (laughs) haha. The next job I do I shall clip the lady's ears off and send to the police officer just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind the trade name. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. The letter wasn't released to the public until October 1st, and many believe that it was fabricated by the journalist. But regardless, it made its way to the papers. Once Once in the eyes of the public, the name stuck, and the killer from that point on went by the now famous moniker jack the ripper three days later on september 30th at 1 a.m the body of elizabeth stride was found on burner street by a man named lewis deemschitz i don't know how to say his last name so i'm not even gonna like try Only her throat was cut, which led the police to believe that the murder was interrupted when Lewis approached. It was determined that she was dead for 30 minutes when examined around 1.15 a.m. Shockingly, only 45 minutes after the discovery of Elizabeth Stride, another body was found in Mitre Square, I believe that's how you pronounce it, just west of the Stride murder. A woman named Catherine Eddowes was the second victim in the same night her body was severely mutilated including her face her uterus was removed as well as her left kidney it's here that the police would discover one of the few solid clues in the entire case a piece of catherine edo's apron found near the scene of the crime the apron was found by alfred long in the doorway of an apartment block near Golston Street, a street, a nearby street east of the Eddowes murder near this apron was a message written in chalk that read the Jews are men, are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. A sign of anti-Semitism that was common in the area. However, the crucial detail of this clue is the fact that it was found east of Edo's murder site in the direction of Elizabeth Stride's murder site, the murder that occurred just 45 minutes prior. This perplexing decision could mean that the killer willingly entered an area that was swarming with cops. Aside from demonstrating the killer's evasive abilities this could suggest that the killer lived in east london area as it possibly explains the motive for entering a dangerous situation later a postcard was received by the police department dated october 1st and written by someone also claiming to be the ripper with similar handwriting it read i was not coding dear old boss when i gave you the tip you'll hear about saucy jack (laughs) saucy jack's work tomorrow double event this time number one squealed a bit couldn't finish straight off had not the time to get ears for police thanks for keeping the last letter back till i got to work again jack the ripper On the 13th of October in 1888, the police spent a week searching every house in the East Densworth slums, but found nothing. On October 16th, a man named George Lusk received a letter. Lusk was the head of the Mile End Vigilance Committee, a group comprised of local businessmen to assist the police. The letter was signed from hell and it was delivered in a box with half a human kidney. The kidney at the time was believed to be Catherine Eddowes, a missing kidney. However, it was found to be a prank by a medical student. Nearly a month later on November 9, 1888, the body of the fifth and final colonial victim, Mary Kelly was found at 13 Miller's court in her bed by her landlord's assistant who was seeking rent. This murder was by far the most gruesome as her body was disemboweled and virtually skinned down. Like I said, this was the last victim. Here's the landlord's statement of the body. The last... The sight that we saw, I cannot drive away from my mind. It looked more like a work of the devil than a man. And with that, that's the last of the colonial victims. But as stated before, some believe that there could be up to 11 victims. With Jack the Ripper's reign of terror, one should wonder if anyone caught a glimpse of this monster. And it would seem that people did. When... When eyewitness testimonies of those who believe they saw the Ripper, a rough outline of the killer can be visualized. It is assumed that he was between 25 and 35 years old, roughly 5'5 to 5'10, stocky with a flare complexion complexion with a mustache. Allegedly, he was seen wearing a dark overcoat and a dark hat. The Scotland Yard's Violent Crime Command team has said that Jack the Ripper could be called an evil incohercent. Could be described in appearance as perfectly sane, frighteningly normal, and yet capable of extraordinary cruelty. Sir Medville McLaughlin? I don't know how to say half of these names. The Scotland Yard's head of criminal investigation department in 1903 had a general suspicion of who the killer was. He knew that the Ripper had basic knowledge of anatomy, possibly a doctor, and in his notes, he had narrowed his list of suspects down to three names. With that being said, due to the overwhelming amount of compelling suspects and the fact that many feel that the official three were not the Ripper, we're going to examine eight names, starting with Melville's list and going on. The first suspect was Montague Johnson Druitt. I'm horrible with names, I am so sorry. Druitt was a bastier who may have had an uncle and cousin who were doctors. Around the time of his death, Drew may have been around the age of 40 and supposedly had an interest in surgery. Montague possibly lived with his cousin, who was practicing medicine close to where the Whitechapel murders occurred. It also appears that about a month before the first colonial murder, Montague's mother went insane and Montague had written a note that he feared he was also going insane. in his notes Melville adds From private information I have no doubt in, I have little doubt but that his own family suspected this man from the beginning of being the Whitechapel murderer It was alleged that he was sexually insane after the final murder, murder, Montague disappeared, only to be found dead within four weeks of the last murder. His body was found floating in the Thomas River on December 3rd, 1888. The second sub- suspect the second suspect was Michael Ostrich Ostrich or I don't know. I'm just going to call him Michael. (laughs) Or it's Mitchell. I think it's Mitchell. I don't know. Who was a Russian doctor and criminal. He has been in an insane asylum previously for homicidal tendencies. And in Melville's notes, he said that... Mitchell, Michael, couldn't provide a strong alibi for his whereabouts during the murders. Ultimately, he was not convicted because there was not enough evidence linking him to the crime. The, sur- thir- <laughs> the third suspect is Aaron Kosminski? Kos- Kosminski? A Polish and Jewish re- residence- resident of Whitechapel who spent some time in the asylum in 19 er, in 1889 after the last murder. I'm going to call him Aaron because I I'm really not good at names. Aaron would like would actually reside in the asylums until his death in 1919. Aaron was known for his hatred towards women, particularly prostitutes. According to M- Melville his appearance matched descriptions provided by the police of the man in metro square which if you recall was the night of the double murder where the ripper likely zigzagged between the police Aaron might be a name familiar to the public due to the fact that recently his name made headlines due to him being featured in the book titled naming jack the ripper in this book russell edwards claims that The shawl purchased at an auction contained DNA evidence proving Aaron is the killer. The shawl was brought under the impression that it was reportedly at the murder scene on the person of Catherine Eddowes, the fourth Ripper victim. Edwards enlisted the help of a molecular biologist, Jari Lewin, I have no idea how to pronounce these names, I am so sorry, of Liverpool, John uh, Moores University. Edwards and Jari believed the blood-stained shawl, 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 is connected to Catherine Eddowes based off of the comparison of one of Eddowes' descendants. They also claim that semen on the scarf is linked to relatives of Aaron. With this discovery, many felt this case was closed, including Edwards. If this is true, is that the smoking gun? Quote, I've got the only piece of forensic evidence in the whole history of the case. I've spent 14 years working on it, and we have definitely solved a mystery of who Jack the Ripper was. Only non-believers that want to perpetrate the myth will doubt. This is it now. We have unmasked him. But much to Mr. Edwards. That may not be the case. It turns out that the scientist may have made a critical error. Summed up by Dr. Jari, identified a mutation in DNA on both the scarf and in Edo's relative name, Karen Miller. This mutation was believed to be named... I'm sorry if I'm saying this wrong, 314.1c, a mutation only found in 1 in 290,000 people, making it very likely it is a match. However, this identification was reportedly incorrect, and it was not 314.1c, but instead 315.1c. This is a mutation, mutation shared by more than 99% of people of European descent. Basically, this DNA could be anyone if it is true. Furthermore, Jarry's DNA was linked to the scarf using mitochondrial DNA using a subtype that is far from unique. Sir Alec Jeffries, who is regarded as the godfather of DNA fingerprinting, has said that this evidence needs to be subjected to peer review. No actual evidence has yet been proved. Further adding fuel to the fire of skeptics is the fact that Dr. Jari has yet to publish his findings in the peer-reviewed scientific journal and has refused to answer questions to news outlets, thus making it impossible to verify his and Edward's claims and effectively doing quite the opposite. The fourth fourth suspect is the notion that Jack the Ripper was actually a female, a theory that Ripperologists call Jill the Ripper. This theory was allegedly a hunch of the famed inspector Aberline as well. The idea that all of the police were on a hunt for a man when they should have been searching for a woman could explain the Ripper being able to slip by with no suspicion. Some have pointed out that a midwife would have sufficient anatomical knowledge and blood on her clothing would raise no eyebrows, though it should be pointed out that all eyewitness testimonies points to a man. The fifth suspect is Prince Albert Victor Christian Edward, A.K.A. the Royal Conspiracy. This theory is often scoffed at, but is still perpetrated due to the <laughs> due to its wild popularity. Prince Edward was known to frequent areas where the victims were found, an activity that led him to contracting syphilis, which may believe <laughs> which some believe. Drove him to insanity. Some posit that this also resulted in Albert having a child with a local woman, and Queen Victoria demanded that everyone who knew of the child be taken care of. Some believe that the insanity spawned by syphilis drove him to commit the murders himself. Conspiracy theorists believe he was never discovered because royal, a- royal aides assisted in covering his identity. However, as mentioned before, this theory is mostly regarded as ludicrous, as there is no substantial evidence to indicate his credibility. Looking into this, it's pretty clear that the movements of the prince, let alone, or anyone that the queen would hire would be able to be tracked, but I also think that this could be a cover-up. The sixth suspect is famed painter Walter Snickert, a theory mainly posed by the successful crime novelist Patricia Cornwell. After making millions on her crime novels, Cornwell has devoted her time to pursuit of Walter as the Ripper. In 2001, Cornwell spent £2 million buying 31 of Walter's paintings, letters, and even his writing desk in one bizarre stunt that was described by art curator Richard Schoen as monstrous stupidity. Cornwell went full National treasure. Nicholas Cage by cutting up a painting in search of clues. Aside from stunts, Cornwall rightfully claims that Snickert was obsessed with the Ripper, which was true. Snickert r- referred to the Ripper in some of his paintings, even titled one, Jack the Ripper's Bedroom. Cornwall claims one of the paintings mirrors the body position of the fifth Ripper victim, Mary Kelly. She claims another painting mimics the facial wounds of the fourth victim, Catherine Eddowes. There are also reportedly accounts of Snickert cosplaying as Jack the Ripper. You realize this is before cosplay was a thing. I don't even think that Halloween was a big thing at that time. However, the biggest piece in her case is the analysis of forensic paper expert peter bauer bauer identified three of snicker's paintings and two of the ripper's letters as coming from a handmade paper run of only 24 possible sheets basically the odds of both the ripper and snicker both writing letters on the same batch of paper that only had 24 copies in existence is relatively slim and while that is undoubtedly com- compelling evidence, it should, o- should be reminded that all of Jack the Ripper's letters were unconfirmed. The seventh suspect is Joseph Barnett, who, partic- who is particularly suspicious-, suspicious as he actually lived with Mary Kelly, the final Ripper victim. In fact, Barnett may have lived in 10 different locations in East London, making him well-versed with the area and capable of navigating back streets. Barnett worked as a fish porter, and it's believed that Barnett was in love with Kelly. According to an issue of the Daily Telegraph on November 10, 1888, Barnett referred to Mary Kelly as his wife when she was, in fact, only a roommate. Barnett also disagreed with Mary's lifestyle as a prostitute and strived to make money to keep her off the streets. Mary never went on the streets when she lived with me. Some theorized that Barnett committed the first murders to scare Kelly off the streets, which for a time actually worked. But when Barnett lost his job, Kelly returned to the streets to make ends meet. Their financial struggles often led to fights and Barnett also disliked Kelly's love of gin. This accumulated with one final fight over Kelly bringing home two different prostitutes, an act that Joseph found unacceptable. This fight apparently got violent, even a window was broken. Shortly after, Barnett moved out, and only ten days later, Mary Kelly was found dead in her apartment. After the murder, Barnett was questioned for four hours, but eventually set free. Having lived there, Barnett would have intimate knowledge of the household, including how to unlock the door from the outside. He was also aware of Kelly's schedule and tendencies. Details from the scene suggest... Kelly was killed in her sleep, not by an outsider she, she invited in. Her clothes were folded on the bed as though they were they had been taken off in an ordinary manner, and she was wearing a nightgown. As a fish porter, Barnett would have crude aminon, uh, anatomical knowledge. I am struggling. As a known associate of Kelly's, he would be someone local prostitutes knew, allowing him to get close enough for a sneak attack. Reportedly, one newspaper of the time stated that Barnett's friends called him Jack. He also matched a physical description and psychological profile created of Jack the Ripper by the FBI. And finally, the murders allegedly stopped after Mary Kelly, the last colonial victim. After her death, Barnett would have no other reason to kill anymore now that his lover, who he had been trying to keep off the streets, is now dead. The eighth and final suspect is the most popular suspect on casebook.org, a site devoted to Jack the Ripper and a place for ripperologists to work together to solve the case. The final suspect's name is John Maybrick. Maybrick's death coincided with the stopping of the Ripper killings, as he died one year after the murders. Maybrick was an upper-class cotton merchant who resided in an estate called the Battle Battlecrease House in Liverpool. Some would consider this to be a damning detail, as many feel the Ripper was a local man who likely was an upper-class. However... It should be pointed out that all the murders were committed on the weekend. It stands to reason that a wealthy cotton merchant merchant would have the ability to travel on weekends, and it also is worth mentioning that he would have also benefited. Though what makes Maybrick such a popular suspect is what many consider the biggest piece of physical evidence that links him to the crimes. That piece of evidence is a diary reportedly discovered under the floorboards of Maybrook's estate. The diary is signed. I give my name that all know of me. So history do tell what love can do to a gentleman born, yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Also within the diary are reportedly intimate details of the killings. Backing up the diary's authenticity are scientific tests that have confirmed the diary seems to be a rough match of the era of the Ripper Killings. The diary was apparently discovered by a scrap metal dealer named Mike Barrett, and this is where the story starts to lose its footing. Bert, is, Bert actually admitted to that he fabricated the diary only to recant the statement later. Chalking it up not to not wanting the publicity as he was going through a failed marriage. Also shaky is the definitive details of this discovery. Of the diary, some sources have it falling into Burnett's hand or Barrett's hands via being handed down by various generations of family, while other sources have Barrett discovering it himself or Barrett's associates discovering it, then giving it to him due to their no- due to their knowledge of Barrett being an aspiring ar- author. However, all that aside, if the diary was in fact found under the floorboards of Maybrick's estate. It is very strong possibility that he was in fact Jack the Ripper. Following the discovery, a golden pocket watch was found as potential uh, Ripper evidence. The watch apparently contains the scratched initials of the five colonial victims. In additional in addition to the phrase uh, uh, "I am Jack," also and also J maybrick the scratches were analyzed via electron microscope by dr stephen torgruce whose studies suggest that the scratches were not done in modern times another doctor named robert wilde at bristol's University Interface Analysis Center concluded that the scratches could have been very, very old and certainly not new, but it is difficult to be precise. The watch, which is displayed in the Liverpool jewelry shop by a college caretaker named Albert Johnson, is dated 1846, which was purchased for 225 pounds. But given the circus around the main piece of evidence in Maybrick's far location of the crimes, it's understandable to have doubts as him as the Ripper. <sighs> so for a hundred years, for over a hundred years, the mystery of Jack the Ripper has continued to fascinate, confound, and infuriate the public. Perhaps one day we will have the means to solve this crime, Or perhaps this famous case will be yet another victim to time. But for now, the question will continue to persist. Who is Jack the Ripper? This, I, this, today is definitely not my day to be recording stuff. Because my throat is killing me and I struggled reading this entire thing because I have so many things to get done I don't have the time to memorize everything basically what I do is I go through find all of these facts all of this stuff and I write it down and then I create the entire thing I don't memorize it because I have some of the stuff in my head because I reviewed it so much to be able to write it but then I write it and I forget it and move on to the next, because I need, like, for example, there are nine posts going up all in October. I don't have time to memorize every single case and gnome it off the top of my head. That's why I read it directly from my blog, because if I sit here and try to memorize the entire thing, I'm never going to be able to get through anything. Um so I'm very sorry if this seems like a huge mess because I keep stumbling over my words I also have a bit of a stutter so it doesn't really help that Um, but yeah I'm just gonna leave it up to you which of these suspects do you think is Jack the Ripper Which which one if any do you think could be but there's not enough evidence supporting it or do you think none of them are and we will never know I'm going to end this here. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, If you did, go and check out the blog post. Unless you're coming from there, there will be another one up shortly. Believe me, I promise. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please give it a thumbs up, please. (laughs) Um, And I will see you guys in the next one in a short few days. Peace.